The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Andy O'Donoghue joins us for Tech Tuesday. Before you tell us about this Twitter whistleblower's testimony, tell me first, please, about this app, Be Real, which seems to be gaining in popularity enormously at present. It's fascinating, Matt. It has zoomed up the charts on both iOS and Android. And essentially, it's a photo sharing social media app. And you form groups with friends. And the idea is that... (laughs) Unlike Instagram, it's about taking photos at the same time every day within two minutes of each other. So if you have a group, you all get a notification to post your photo no matter what you're doing. And you post the photos. And once you've done that, everyone can see. And there's kind of little rules about it. So if you're late, everybody knows that you're late. Or if you edit the photo later, they know that. So it's about this be real. It's kind of this emerging quest for authenticity that we're starting to see uh, in social media. And I have to say, I I, I signed up earlier on this week. It's fascinating and enormous fun. Okay, just explain again what you do and why you do it. (laughs) Well, it's uh, it's kind of an antidote to the pressure of Instagram, I think. And you download the app and you create a group of friends and you each get a notification to take a photo at different times every day. The idea is you can be doing different things. And the idea is, of course, that, you know, you mightn't be ready, you mightn't have your tie on, you mightn't have your makeup on, you mightn't be ready for the photo, but it's about the authenticity of the moment and snapping that photo, uploading it. And it's kind of a nice communal sharing idea. Okay, do you have to pay to do this? Or is this one of these free things where suddenly the app owners are harvesting all your information? Well, indeed. And so I'm unaware of what the business model will be um, for Be Real in the long term. What we do know is it's kind of filter free. So it is a very nice, uh, it's kind of Gen Z, I have to say, have been aware of this for some time longer than me, but it has grown. I mean, uh, both iOS and Android, um, I think it's number four or five in the charts this week. Okay, and who's behind it? Do we have any idea? I and mean, it's not another Chinese way of getting into your phone, is it? Uh, not that I understand, no. Okay, tell us about the Twitter whistleblower who testified before Congress today. I believe you've been watching this. It's fascinating. It was compelling as it was uh, enlightening, Matt. So Peter Mudge Zatko is the Twitter whistleblower and he appeared today before the Senate. And it was a follow up to his SEC complaint and um, the Senate asked him to appear and he did so today. And it was absolutely fascinating. Um, First of all, uh, he started by saying that the uh, Twitter leadership had been misleading the board of directors and regulators. And he went on uh, to talk about essentially he painted a picture that Twitter was about 10 years behind uh, from a technology security perspective. He said also that in a stunning revelation that Twitter didn't have a, uh, a sandbox environment. Essentially, what that means is he was saying that when new engineers joined the company, they had access to the live Twitter system. So, you know, that's akin, as he used the analogy of, you know, not testing an aeroplane in a wind tunnel before you put passengers on it. 
he went on, to, I, I have to say, some remarkable questions. Um, uh, it was interesting to hear um, Senator Grassley even refer to him as Mudge, which is his nickname. One of the things that struck me about this, Matt, is that in the case of the Francis Haugen re- uh, revelations before Congress, many people outside of Facebook, most people outside of Facebook, and even lots inside, would not have known who she was. Zatko or Mudge, is a different, different story. He's a 30-year veteran. He was a very active hacker and hacktivist and has a tremendous reputation and has worked for DARPA, the uh, defense agency in the US. And so Twitter have said that he was uh, fired for non-performance and they have uh, distanced themselves from the allegations. However, It was so compelling today. And I have to say, the senators embraced his testimony and seemed sympathetic in uh, not just the questioning, but in what the answers were. Okay, but Andy, what's the significance of all this to anyone listening who uses Twitter? He said a couple of things. One is that he said that only 20% of the data that Twitter has is managed. And 80% of it is not. What he meant by that, and he explained that Twitter collects more data than it knows. It collects data it doesn't even know it it has. And it doesn't know where it's stored. The implication from that that he uh, went on to explain is that this data is potentially accessible to bad actors. And bad actors was a big topic today because he talked about um, uh, Indian agents working at Twitter, a previously unpublished allegation um, that the FBI told Twitter about a Chinese agent who may be working at the company. And then, of course, the recent conviction of a, a, um, a, a Saudi Arabian national who stole data. I mean, when you get to the core of what he talked about, and he talked for well over two hours today, it was really about that fact that 80% of the data that Twitter has, they don't know where it is. Okay, but they, how, do, how does Twitter get that data? Um, it's collected when we sign up and it's collected when we use Twitter. Um, he was asked about the sort of data that Twitter has. And he said that they have our email address, current and previous, our IP address, current and previous. Um, they also know what browser and what device type we're using. So he said they can also make an estimate, a pretty good estimate of where we're using Twitter right now and what our address is. And he went on to explain that that data is incredibly revealing and uh, you know, uh, generally, from a security perspective, it sounded incredibly, to be honest, Matt, it sounded incredibly amateur. It, the the fact that they only had a live system when he joined and no sandbox, nowhere to test. The fact and he made the point that 50 percent of the company are engineers and almost all engineers have access to the data. So the feeling that it gives you, the impact for you and me as Twitter users, is that our data, it's, a, it, it's like a wild west out there. Okay, what's Elon Musk likely to do with this? It, now, this, is, this happened after, uh, so there was a development in the, Twitter, in the uh, uh, Elon Musk story after the testimony, and Twitter shareholders voted today to approve the Elon Musk deal, the $44 billion takeover. Now, Elon Musk has, his initial deal was at $54. The Twitter share price today is just under 42. It's kind of booked the trend in the market by not falling today. But 
a judge has allowed Elon Musk to append his legal action with Mudge's evidence. And so what we heard before Senate today from Mudge will probably end up in court. And I would not be surprised if Mudge himself is not called as a witness for the Elon Musk case. Um, where this goes, it's difficult to know, Matt. Probably my opinion on this is that the best thing that could happen, Twitter, is that it was acquired by Elon Musk because we know how much he values engineering and we know commercially he's likely to um, help Twitter evolve from the commercial underperformer that it is. But listening to Senator Graham and his cross-party association with Senator Warner today, I have no doubt that there is a potential for huge fines, hundreds of millions of dollars on Twitter. But who will own Twitter? Does Elon Musk, even at a, a muchly reduced price, would he want it anymore? Thank you very much. Andy O'Donoghue for joining us for Tech Tuesday. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.